You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning on third and ten. He fires, and the catch is made by Cruz, who breaks free. One man to beat. Victor Cruz down the sideline. Cruz is going to take it all the way, tying an NFL record, 99 yards. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Mike, first press conference with Steve Spagnuolo today on Wednesday. Oh, wow. <laughs> How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> the hits just keep on coming, you know. <laughs> So uh, Ben McAdoo has been officially relieved of his duties as of Monday, as we already covered. Um, Steve Spagnuolo is the interim head coach, and he had his press conference. So I tweeted this out, and I, I firmly believe this. Um, as much as I don't believe Steve Spagnuolo is going to be the head coach next year, and we can get into that a little bit, um, I think immediately the media would love to have him based on his first press conference. I mean, the man is so much better in front of a microphone. It's not even funny. Yeah, but come on. I mean, the bar is so low at Ben McAdoo. I mean, <laughs> I, I can put a mime up there and it'd be a, a more energizing and more engaging. So you know, the list of guys who win the press conference and who win the offseason goes from here to Timbuktu. So that means – Absolutely nothing to me, you know, what an introductory presser does. No, it it doesn't mean anything. Um, I mean, it means some things. Uh, we, we've covered in the past here that um, image does matter, at least in this market, and that, you know, there was a lot said and done, a lot more said and done here about the fact that Ben McAdoo's suit didn't fit and that he looked goofy, the stupid haircut. I mean... The fact that Steve Spagnuolo is such a natural with talking to the media and, like, not abrasive, informative, energized. Um, he feels more honest. It does go a long way. It it doesn't mean anything. You know, if if somebody came up yeah. there with Ben McAdoo's temperament and was winning games, nobody would give a shit. We would yeah, call I mean, him Bill you, Belichick. You, you, really. you, Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick, exactly. But the guys that have the demeanor of a Ben McAdoo are so few and far and in between that, you know, guys become NFL or major college football head coaches. It's just, you know, you are part salesman. You're a head coach. You are selling the vision of your team as well as implementing and having your players execute your, your vision. So, you know, again, for every Bill Belichick type and Bill Belichick wannabe, there are 500 rah-rah guys that are, have gone through this league and been successful, unsuccessful. Sure. Um, and to compare anybody to McAdoo, again, you're really you – know, <laughs> that's not really saying much of, a, of an increase. So, you know, you know good for him. I'm glad Spagnola, after you know he left here and had that horrible run in in St. Louis, he's you know going to have a month of head coaching where I don't think he has a future with the New York Football Giants. You know he might get another job somewhere else. You know based upon you know does this team look like they're energized to play for him and is there something you know every player there's always game tape of everything they do. There's also tape on coaches. So you know I, I hope it this period is to his advantage and it helps him out in the long run. Yeah, so when we covered uh, head coaching candidates, I, I picked two guys who were offensive coordinators um, the, the of the big names. We're going to cover this a lot in the offseason, but the, the big name guys were offensive coordinators that are very successful, that got head coaching jobs, flamed out, and are now 
older and they've been an offensive coordinator for a while again. And I think they deserve another shot as a head coach because they they took it too young. You know, Steve Spagnuolo falls into that boat also. I mean, he had only two years as a defensive coordinator. He was wildly successful. He went on to head coach in a shit situation in St. Louis, um, and he flamed out. And he falls in that boat. I think he barely gets a nod to even get a chance because it's the perception. It's the idea of we're blowing up everything and we're starting from scratch. And because he's already got Giants ties – I think it puts him at a severe disadvantage to win the job. He certainly could, but he's got no chance. Yeah. And it's it's no none of it is his fault. Even how bad the defense was this year relative to last year. It, I think you're right. This is a we are starting over. We are starting from scratch. They've made the decision when you when you smoke your head coach and your GM in week 13, you have made the decision you are scorching the earth and you're starting over again. So, yeah. you know, tough break for him with the Giants, but Again, he can use this to his advantage to put work on his resume for a future gig somewhere in the NFL. I mean, I won't say he has no chance. I'll say it's really low. It's about 5% or less. It's It depends on the GM that comes in and what the vision is. And, you know, it, it may very well be that the GM that comes in is a big fan of what he's done and that he did in a the, good job in the next four weeks. In the words of Dean Wormer in Animal House, 0.0. .0. I just don't see it happening. I don't see uh, it, but I, 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 at this point, we're at a we're at a point where it's completely new playing field. We have no idea what anything is going to be. If it's completely in the, in the hands of a mystery GM, I, I'll put nobody at zero percent other than Ben McAdoo. And also, to be quite frank, the erraticness of this giant organization in the last couple of years—nothing would surprise me anymore. Yeah. So you know, and that includes John Mayer on down. That we've seen some erratic moves and head scratching decisions and timing of things, and you know that you know where five years ago you'd be like, yeah, you know, we wouldn't be in this situation five years ago. But to kind of plot the next giant move is not as obvious as it was five years ago. Yeah. Um, so Steve Spagnuolo's um, press conference, he's he's allowed Mike Sullivan will be calling the plays, as we said. Um, or we didn't say that Mike Sullivan's calling the plays as he was um, in the last couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I would think that if this were week two or something and Ben McAdoo was done, gone and Mike Sullivan was doing anything, we might see a change in the offense, you know, minor things at first to more major things down the road. But given how far down the road we are, I, I expect this to be a play it safe, you, you practice all off season. You practice since, you know, training camp started in August. And also you don't have any of your primary weapons. You don't have Odell yes. Beckham. You don't have Brandon Marshall. You don't have, you know, three of your offensive linemen. You have a shitty running game. You know, you have Eli who, you know, I guess is a little energized since he had a week vacation, but you know, uh, all those things added up. There's only four weeks left. Uh, you're not going to see anything drastic changed. You know, you might see, Maybe a little more aggressiveness on some play calling, but don't expect all of a sudden to see five wideouts or you know the spread option or or anything crazy. Yeah. I mean, this offense is what it is. Yeah, at this point, you know the roster is what it is, the offense is what it is, the defense is what it is. Yeah. Um, you might see some more trickery. I, I think a lot of that that maybe if the game is close for some reason, you might see some. Some of that, like pitch out to Shane Vereen throw or something, you know, something along those you lines. You may see that once, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, just, just yeah. jerkiness like that. Um, yeah, 
Well, don't forget too. I mean, this organization knows, and I've said this from you know two, three weeks ago, and I threw out my conspiracy theory. I still firmly believe that this organization knows they're in tank mode too, mm-hmm. and I think uh, you know, I still believe that that was part of a plan with with Geno Smith to tank. I think it went horribly wrong from an execution and a public relations standpoint, where the only option was to fire. Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese before we played three home division games in the month of cold month of December with, you know, a, a pissed off fan base. And, you know, what would that stadium be like on Sunday where, you know, you always have bandwagon nation showing up to begin with. And, you know, the giant fans that do make the trek out to the Meadowlands with Geno Smith as a quarterback, a, a shithead coach that nobody likes and everybody hates more and more. The move had to be made. So, yeah, so I I heard an interesting I believe it was Art Stapleton had the interesting theory that I I I guess it's debunked at this point being that Ben McAdoo got fired, but they sort of made him the fall guy to rip the band-aid off the fans that Eli Manning is not going to be the quarterback of the future. You know, obviously he's not going to be the quarterback of the future, but by making Ben McAdoo do the move and, you know, killing Eli's streak, it just sort of is putting a an end to it all. It just, to me, it just puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Um, well, I, I think what happened was I think they had this cockamamie scheme and I think Eli called their bluff and that's when it all blew out of control because this coaching staff did not, and Jerry Reese and, you know, John Mara too, did not have a plan B. I think they really thought that Eli Eli might go along with this idiotic plan of playing a half and then, you know, seeing what happens after. When Eli said, no, that's okay, I'll sit, and they did not have Davis Webb in a position to be the guy who takes over, it all just fell off the rails. And you take the typical, you know, sarcastic, arrogant, obnoxious tone that Ben McAdoo had in his, you know, in his statements and press conferences after – you're right. You know, Mary quickly turned this on, you know, fuck you guys. You're going to take the hit for me. So, yeah. And then he kind of at the end takes the blame for it. Saying, you oh, know, Mara? The, yeah, he said in his press conference that, you know, the Eli Manning says stops with me. The buck stops with me because, you know, I have I, as the owner, I have the ultimate sign off on everything. Yeah, but you know something, you but know, that, the that's gi- posthumously the, the Giants way, the, the Giants way. And. Really, for 90% of NFL teams, the coach is not involved in, you know, roster spots, playing time, game call. The, you know, Are you talking about the GM or the uh, – I'm sorry, the, the owner or the coach? I'm talking about the owner. Yeah, okay. You said coach. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I meant the owner. I mean, I was talking about Mara. You know, most coaches uh, – I'm sorry, most teams don't have a GM who's involved in play scheming, play calling – you know who's starting, who's not in a game. This—that's the coach's realm. Well, yes and no. We're not talking about r- r- normal personnel moves. We're talking about a franchise move. This is a franchise move to sit a franchise quarterback for no reason other than. Well, I mean, who? I mean, whose call was it ultimately? I mean, yeah, I mean, someone a move like an Eli, where it's an iconic figure, and you know there's going to be PR backlash from it. Yes, you will consult with your GM, and probably would consult with your owner. Whose decision it was, and when Mayor is saying the buck stops with me, yes, uh, you know that's a nice kind of 
if everybody's taking the fall, I can say that when no one really buys it anymore. People <laughs> yeah. are howling. But no, that decision ultimately was with McAdoo. And I think that, you know, if he's that, you know, cold-hearted, maybe he just let him let uh, McAdoo just hang himself by his own rope. I'm surprised that that rope was that short. It was one game and he fired him. And I think nobody expected the backlash to be as severe and as quick as it was. But I think that might have been the final call to fire him at the end of the season. It's like you, you know, you bench Eli and nothing was better and you don't look prepared. I had to make a move. I think people just were so pissed off. And, you know, the, the Eli pity party happened from everybody. That oh, yeah. It's like I have to come in and swoop in and save the season, you know, from having 60,000 empty seats in the stadium. Yeah. And coming off of that, the Dallas Giants game has been flexed down from 425 to 1 o'clock, which may have never happened before. I have yeah, no idea. Stop, stop for one second and just say that sentence again. The NFL has made a financial decision to that it would be more lucrative to move the Dallas Cowboys versus New York Giants game, which is a um, <laughs> a throwback uniform whiteout, to 1 o'clock. Okay, so stop right there. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys, I think it's safe to say, are the most popular team in team sports in this country. Probably. They they generate, you know, with all due respect to the Golden State Warriors, the New York Yankees, you know, Notre Dame football, whatever you have you, they are the most popular team in this country. The ratings they have are unsurpassed by any other team. To flex downward instead of upward against their biggest rival who play in the biggest market is this has been a crazy year 2017 you know you had told me that the beginning of the year that donald trump would be your president you tell me all these crazy things that have happened this thing is among the craziest in sports it's not going to go down you know nationally as a major story but just the fact that the nfl thinks they can make more money by having more eyeballs on a game other than this one, <laughs> I, I don't. Up is down, black is white, and I don't know. It's crazy. Cats and dogs living together. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I mean, it makes sense. Even Dallas isn't that good this year. They're six and six at this point. Ezekiel Elliott has been suspended. His or his suspension has been upheld. Um. Finally. Yeah, but they're not. But they're not wretched. I mean. No, they're not. But we back. are. So you have a team that we are. We that is middling, um, and a wretched team, and yeah. it may just be an ugly game. You know what I mean? This might just suck to watch. It may not be fun to watch. You know, but two shitty teams though are always more interesting to watch than a really good versus a really bad team. Both and of them again, are pro- probably out of the playoff picture. I mean, how how in the playoff picture is Dallas right now? It's six and six. Dallas is Dallas is six and six. They beat a two and ten giant team. They're seven and six. They beat Oakland. They're eight and six. Going into the stretch run, you know they have a division game against Philly the end of the season, who may be playing for nothing. Eh, they got a shot. They got a shot at a wild card. I think it's a pretty outside shot. Uh, the NFC South is incredibly competitive. I'm not going to Vegas and betting on them, but I definitely think they are playing with the expectation that they have a you know a shot at the playoffs. For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how Dallas plays every game. Yeah. That's how Dallas fans approach every game, which 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 is what we're talking about here. Fans watching. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, so Steve Spagnuolo changed his practice regimen away from Ben McAdoo's. 
Um, I don't know how how nuts this is, but Ben McAdoo used to have a easy day on Friday and then what he called a launch day on Saturday where they went 80%. Apparently, it's usually the other way around, and that's a big deal. Steve Spagnuolo has switched it. I don't know. Do you think that's a huge deal? Uh, I am not a fan of teams getting out of their regiment. You know, whether if it's a regiment that's not working to me, you and you start jerking with people's, you know, football is a game of repetition. It's a game of, you know, muscle memory. My, yeah, this is my routine, you know, and why do people always say, oh, and this team is going West or going East. They're jerked out of their normal routine. And, you know, there's a, a routine playing at home versus on the road. I personally, again, for four weeks, we really reinventing the wheel. I think you do what you do, and then you reevaluate next year. So I, I don't, I don't see the point in making changes at, at this point. I think you're just causing more confusion, and you are, you know, going further and further into the unknown. Here's my theory. I think that was the thing that players hated the most was going eighty percent on Saturdays, and I think that Steve Spagnuolo knew it. I think everybody knew it probably within the organization, within the team. Um, and so he did that sort of a, to appease the players. How do you feel about that? Is a team that's 2-10 and ten deserve to have any appeasing at all? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to be very honest, I mean, these guys are under contract. They're not leaving. You know, you know, guys, I mean, they, I don't know. I, I don't think you're in a position to be getting anything from this, especially from a coaching staff that's probably not going to be here next year anyway. I don't. I think I think you do what you do, and you know you're in this position now. There's nothing you can really do about it. You keep to your norms and your routines, and you reassess after the season's over. That's me. Okay, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know that I care. I I think that my theory might be right though. I think oh, I definitely do. I yeah. completely agree with you. Why I think why they did it. Yeah. Um, Steve Spagnuolo said that he hasn't made a decision yet, but. He may not be calling the defensive plays while also trying to be the head coach, um, and anything that he can't handle will be handed off to safeties coach David Merritt. Interesting side note. I think it's a smart move. I think uh, in in this modern age for the NFL and even from college football, I think you know those are two full time jobs. And how many times did we criticize Ben McAdoo for having his nose in that big fucking play? sheet that he has and you know you're missing things so to me i i think that's a smart move especially for he's not a, a head coach that's been there forever i mean he's just you know four days ago as a defensive coordinator you know and you're still all this responsibility is added to you i i think it's the right move that's the ticket right there i i think he's probably capable of it but he's so out of the the he hasn't been a head coach in forever this is not the kind of thing that's yeah. just going to pop into the back of his head, like being the one to call these things. Uh, yeah. And I, I th- the game has changed even in the last five years. The game has changed. It changes every year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's a smart move. Uh, David Merritt's been here for a long time, and they can't seem to get rid of him. He does a good job. So uh, apparently, there's some trust there. And uh, I guess he maybe knows the defense is the best, or I don't know, but. I, I think it's a smart move. I think it's also a bit of a PR move. Um, I think, again, Steve Spagnuolo is very aware of the mistakes yeah. that Ben McAdoo made right off the bat. And I'm calling the offensive plays and then being very stubborn and arrogant about it. 
Yeah. Until until it appeared to everybody else that the responsibility was taken from him rather than um, him relinquishing the duties. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I think everything now is about rebuilding trust with the fans and with the media too. I mean, the media makes or breaks you. And, you know, once you start getting some columnists and writers kind of beating down one path, it's hard to change that. So this this organization right now is at rock bottom. And every little move they have to make people a little happier will help. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, there's not too much to talk about for this game other than, uh, you know, Tyron Smith is back after, a, in, I think, a back injury kept him out for a little while. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's a bummer because they truly have no answer on that team to be a backup left tackle. And they look I, lost I, without him. I hate to play the what if game, but uh, Dickie Elliott is suspended for this game. It'd been very interesting if he's suspended for game one, how the fortune of both of these teams might have been different. You know, if we sneak out of that win, that game in Dallas with a victory, you know, do things snowball out of control so quickly? I mean, obviously you can't, you can't factor in, you know, uh, injuries and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, sure, you can. I mean, like, in any. In anything, uh, you know, butterfly flaps its wings, and there's a hurricane on the other side of the world. I, you know, if if we win yeah. that oh, game, then the confidence goes like, up. We're not playing from behind against the Chargers. Beckham doesn't break his ankle. You know, it, right, right, right. I mean, you, the universe might have been completely different. So you know, it's interesting how you know that decision to delay the suspension, you know, really changed two teams potentially. So now that he's out, it's real. It's it's completely meaningless for us and. Mostly meaningless for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they should beat they should beat this New York Giants team without Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. And if they get if they get him back after Oakland, and all of a sudden they're eight and six, and they have him rested for a stretch run, those fuckers are gonna get off and, and be to their advantage. Yeah, typical Cowboys. Well, let's go into our prediction here. I'm gonna say the Giants win this game. Uh, that's that's a nice one. You obviously have hit the Jamison bar earlier than uh No, no, than no, no. I, I don't think they deserve to. I don't think the talent is there. I think that and, and and I'm I'm not saying anything like I want them to or, you know, whatever. I think at this point get just make it out of the season. But I think there's a real chance that Eli is going to be pissed off. I think I think Eli is more upset and angry about the way his situation was treated than he relayed to anybody other than think, perhaps his family. Do you think Eli should have told the Giants go fuck themselves when they said he's going to start again? I don't know if he should I have. Mean, no, I mean, if I he mean, if he really that, thinks it, it, that, if he really thinks that he can play and he wants to play somewhere else next year, any story of that leaking out is only going to hurt his market value. And eh, I, I don't know. I, I think he has a, you know, Everybody knows the backstory. What's happened this season in the last month? I don't think it's that big of a deal. But it'd be it, that'd have been a, a, the ultimate. To well, I guess let me be fair. The people that he was probably most pissed at were Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese, and they're gone. So, you know, he might be upset at at the Maras for not you know speaking to him personally about it. But at the end of the day, it was a McAdoo Reese decision, heavily on the McAdoo. So yeah. maybe he doesn't want to give a big fu to the Giants, but. I mean, I, whether he should have or not, I don't think he should have. I, whether if it were me or not, I probably would have. I'd be, I'd be so 
grump about this situation. It's not even funny. More grump than this show has ever seen, for sure. And we were pretty grump two weeks ago, so or two episodes <laughs> ago, or whatever, however long ago it was that we found out the news. But yeah, I I think Eli comes out pissed off and firing, and um, I, Justin Pugh returns to the lineup, I believe, this week. Uh, I I honestly think that in front of the home crowd, who's happy to see Eli back, as much as the home crowd is able to show up, will be. That's that's to be seen. I this just, is gonna be quite a crowd. This is gonna be quite a crowd. This is gonna be like you know, two years ago when it was Coughlin's last home game, and all of a sudden it became this major love fest because the exactly, giant home yeah. crowd, the giant home crowd, never had a chance to say goodbye to Phil Sims, never had a chance to say goodbye to Lawrence Taylor. So this is kind of gonna be like these next three games are gonna be Eli Love Fest 2017. Um, I don't think Eli has that anger pissed off streak in his body. I think he's been even keel for the last, you know, 15 years, the way he's played, you know, never too down when things are going bad, never too up when they win. So I don't, and, and also we're also assuming he comes out guns ablaze, you know, what kind of game will game call a uh, game plan and, and, and play calling we're going to see. I don't think they're going to say, go ahead, Eli. No, but I mean, Eli, Eli does have that authority to change to whatever he sees. I mean, at this point, Eli has more experience in this system than Mike Sullivan does, one year more. Um, he's always had the authority to change based on what he sees on the field. I, I, And I, I think that, yes, Eli's play has always been even keeled. But Eli, A, has never had a situation off the field, I guess you would call this, that would possibly influence any of this stuff. Um, and I, you know, I think the Mannings are very good at have have taught Eli and Peyton very well on how to speak to the media, how to keep your presence, you know, in the public eye. But they're not only are they competitors at heart, and we we know we know that. But you know, there was the whole thing with the way Eli was drafted. You can tell that there's um, you know, there's there's a fierceness to him. There's, an, I I believe that he was scorned pretty hard, and he's not happy about it and I think he wants to show if if only to himself how good he still is and I think he comes out ablaze even with the horse shit receivers he has well I was just going to say he may be all ablaze he looks over and he sees Roger Lewis Jr. and he sees you know the garbage he has to throw to you know how will that translate <laughs> so and of course you know the fear is if he starts to press and over try to do too much that you could see that four pick game also. Yeah, I know. I understand that. Um, and I, I'm not saying he won't have four interceptions either. I mean, this might be one of those things like the saints game from two years ago where they lost something like, what was it? Like 50 to 48 oh, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it might be one of those where it's just like a run up the score. I mean, again, this Dallas defense is garbage. Um, they haven't been good on defense in quite a while. Not to say that our offensive yeah. line can block. Yeah, I mean, but. even even before that, you know, there was a reason why Eli was benched. It's kind of like this offense is doing nothing. Let's see what the other guys can do. I mean, it wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire in the weeks before. So, but there's I don't the, know. There's this other thing too with this team. You know, I think as a as a whole, this team feels like a weight is off their shoulders now that Ben McAdoo has been fired. Maybe it's not positive or negative feeling. It's just that. Th- the hammer's fallen. Everything is on the feel, table. But do you feel like that weight started last Monday? I mean, you think this is a weight that's been on this team for weeks and weeks and weeks? Well, it's just it's just a distraction where it's just like, oh my god, another f- loss, and they're calling for his head, and 
then the Eli thing brought it to a boil and then now he's gone and it's just it's just it's done like nothing more can really happen now there's right, no so more consequences think, now I think you're falling into just late season we're out of it apathy I don't know I mean, man you, you might got get, guys you might, get, you might get these guys running out of the tunnel excited but as soon as the game starts and as soon as they get hit in the mouth you know it's back to you know yes and I, no I'm yeah. never I'm never a big fan or I'm never a big believer in bulletin board you know, talk or something. If somebody says some shit about some team, that's a headline thing for the media. I don't think it means anything when you get to the, the game. You know. Oh, I think in any one-on-one matchup. How long does it really last? It depends. Like, if, you know, if it's a corner and wide receiver that are matched up against each other, like Josh Norman, Odell Beckham, I think it carries over. Uh, I think if, if it's like Brandon Jacobs and Tony Romo or something like that, they never see each other, so it's whatever. Yeah, could be. But I, I, I always see like, you know, oh, I, this, somebody guarantees they're going to win. Like, oh, that's Bill and Board. You don't want to fire up their team. It's like they may be fired up a little bit, but as soon as the game starts after that first hit, it's kind of back to business. You don't see. Yes and no. Well, so here's the other thing with a team that's this bad. And I think we saw a little bit of this last week is that once they're in the game, if they're not being like annihilated, if they're in the game, they're playing better. You yeah. know, and against Oakland, like, you know. A lot can be attributed to Geno Smith extending plays, but there, this was a better moving offense in general. We were seeing just guys play a little bit better. The defense so was me, hanging in more. So let me ask you something, Grump. Yeah. Ben McAdoo wrong. Forget it, forget it de- the public relations. Forget all that stuff. Define wrong. Did the offense look better? Did it look a little more capable of making things happen? You know, yes. Okay, I know but, there were like there was a there was a delay game penalty. I know it looked a little, and that's going to happen when you have a guy who hasn't played a lot. But it seemed like there was an option B and an option C to this offense that we didn't have before. I think the answer to that's obvious. Uh, yes, yeah. Th- this offense works a lot better with a guy who has mobility. That being said, does that mean that the offense isn't broken? Of course. I mean, you're relying on busted plays and individual athletic plays as opposed to scripted 11 guys working together to execute. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's I, the I think of a broken it, offense, but just because it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a broken offense. It, his system is wrong. He's wrong that his system is the system and the system works. The system doesn't work unless you have an athletic freak at quarterback. And that being said, what he has then done is he's brought a system to a team and is choosing his system over the personnel. Um, and that's what we call a Chip Kelly move. Uh, it just it, you can't in the NFL you don't you don't make the the personnel fit the scheme. You fit the scheme around the personnel, not the other way around. Um, and therefore, it just it just shows that he made the mis- it, it. He didn't he didn't handle the situation right. You know, it's not as if. Eli Manning is a two-year quarterback that we're not sure about still. The jury's still out. I mean, he can make some plays, but he's a pocket passer. He makes some mistakes. And, you know, so then you come in with this guy, and he's got this offense, and it works with a mobile guy. And, you know, maybe we should drive. That's not what this situation was. You had a franchise quarterback back there. It's a pocket passer. And essentially, we have a – we have – the system is this, and you got to move around, and if well, you can't move around. McAdoo – what was the giant offense? It was bombs away. I mean, we led the league in plays over yeah. twenty-five yards. I think. I mean, that's, that's Eli's what this strength. offense was. I mean, this was 
you know, pre-Beckham, this was, you know, Victor Cruz, you know, bombs away, long plays. Yeah, you know, and, all, and it, it did you know, whole work. The whole of quarterbacks before that. Um, the problem that we had was with Kevin Gilbride's offense is that, and we've never talked about this on the show, Kevin Gilbride's office, offense was what they called trigonometry. Um, so they called three plays in the huddle. Eli went up to the line of scrimmage, and based on his audibles, they would choose one of the three at the line of scrimmage. Um, and the wide receivers then are memorizing nine different route patterns, pretty much. And then they get to the line, and then based on whatever Eli calls, it's down down to the three, and then based on the coverage, they pick out whatever. So there's just so fucking much that there were stupid mistakes. Um, the wide receivers that were just brought in or just couldn't handle that kind of information processing were screwing up. Uh, th- that and every every single play call, we were down to one tick on the the uh, play clock. Right? How there many, was there was how a, many delay how many delay games did Eli have in those years? And how many times was how many times were we screaming from the seats? You know, yeah. move, move, move. Yeah, and and then not to mention all the protections that the running backs would have to figure out based on all those play calls and all that shit. So the problem wasn't necessarily the offensive design for Kevin Gilbride; it was the complexity of that. And it was never watered down. And instead, they did a complete overhaul, which is not necessarily bad. But again, the first year of Ben McAdoo was not entirely his system. I think I do believe that Tom Coughlin did not let Ben McAdoo have full control over. I agree with that. The play design. Well, re- well, remember too that I don't think it was Tom Coughlin's decision to get rid of Kevin Gilbride. No, definitely I think, not. I think I think that was something from above. Yeah. Now, whether that was Jerry, that might have been from- Jr. But. You know, at the end of the day, I think Tom Coughlin did not allow Ben McAdoo to come up with the entire offensive plan. I think he was in on it, and he stayed with a commitment to the run and the play action. And because the offense that we saw under, under Ben McAdoo's offensive coordinator is vastly different than what we saw last year and this year. Sure. So, in any event, you know, whatever. Uh, I think that the Giants actually go out there, and Eli's pissed. The, the crowd is into it. I think the players feel a little bit like they can cut loose and just play the game instead of, you know, have this shit over their head the whole game. And I think they shock even themselves, and I think they win a slugfest. And I think it's a little bit more high scoring than you think. I think it ends up being 24-21 Giants. Or they get blown out. It's it's going to be I, one I'm, or the other. I was about to say, it's either you're going to know, I think, in the first seven minutes of this game, or they're going to hang around and win a close one or get their asses kicked. I am going to go with option two. I mean... The weight may be off their back. Eli may be back. The, the crowd will be excited about it. But this team still stinks. <laughs> and yeah, definitely. Quite honestly, um, you know, the, the the Giants' defensive line has not been very good lately. The, the, the Cowboys still have the great offensive line. Uh, I just see that. I, I think one thing we get to take a look at now when we'll go back and we'll, you know, Talk about it after the game next week. I think they're going to dominate us in time of possession. I think this is going to be one of those 38 to 40 to 20 type of games. And I think they're just going to lean on us, and I think they're going to rout us. I hate to say it, but uh, I think we'll be on the train at 330. We'll, we'll certainly see. Cowboys at Giants 1 o'clock MetLife Stadium. Um, be sure to follow us over the weekend for any updates. Um I'm on Twitter at, at football underscore grump, and this show will always be bumped at, at just giants pod on Twitter. And always, 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 you can find us on iTunes. Um, subscribe there, download our shit. 
Um, give us a five star rating. <laughs> SoundCloud, go to soundcloud.com, search us. It's that simple. Just search Just Giants. You'll find it. All our episodes are there. You can subscribe to it. It'll come up on your feed every time if you have it on your phone or on your computer, whatever's easiest. Follow us there. Listen to every episode over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Download that shit. I think that was Steve Jobs. Uh, it's on his tombstone right now. Yes, actually. You can find me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan. Uh, so much to talk about. So much losing between my Giants, my Knicks, my Gators. My fucking Gator basketball just lost to Loyola Chicago. What a disgrace! <laughs> the hits just keep on coming. Oh God! <laughs> we will make a very valiant effort to be at MetLife Stadium early on Sunday to be at the Jameson Bar. We will actually look at. The train schedule to see what time an early train gets to MetLife Stadium. So we will have drinks at the Jameson Room. If any of you clowns actually listen to us and want to have a, a Jameson and Coke, meet us there. We'll be the two idiots wearing Eli jerseys. We as in he. He's he's the one who missed the train. That'd be me. Yeah. I had to, <laughs> I had to throw a little shade at you. Thanks, um, brother. Well, I mean, I screwed up the one time. I, I got there late. So yes. this time it was you. <laughs> Hey, do me a favor and actually print your ticket before you show up this time, please. <laughs> two and ten. You and Which I reminds are, me, I actually, I, have two to, and ten. <laughs> I actually have to send him his ticket. So. <laughs> All right, guys. See you on Sunday. Go Giants. Go Giants.